The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. And their temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements, so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com all right hello and special welcome to those few folks who are listening to this show on the friday after thanksgiving it's the dfs collaboration podcast i'm matt Harmon from yahoo here that's tj hernandez from four for four tj I'd love to ask you how your Thanksgiving went, but I'm I'm assuming tomorrow because we're recording this on Wednesday. Spoiler alert! Uh, I'm, I'm assuming it went incredibly well. Yeah, it was great. We won a bunch of money playing DFS. Um, the Lions had a great game, and uh, it, it went exactly as planned. Oh, beautiful! And we're all about five to ten pounds heavier. So uh, great work by everybody out there. But as awesome as the Thursday slate definitely was with the Lions and the Saints preseason roster uh, treating us very well, we got some more important things to talk about. We got a whole not as big slate as we're used to coming up here this weekend, but still a lot of players to talk about. Uh, any grand view thoughts to get off your chest on, you know, I do think it's interesting, you know, we're, we're just like dealing with a lesser pool because we still have bye weeks too. In addition to obviously a bunch of teams got taken off the board because of the Thursday games. These are actually my my favorite slates. So just from a a macro point of view on weeks like this, I think in one we're going to see probably uh, relatively flat roster rates with with the Thanksgiving slate. I haven't um, completely ran through those yet, but we don't have any team with an implied point total of at least 28. We don't have any team favored by seven or more points. So we have a lot of games that uh, really could go either way. We also have a lot of road favorites. So I think we're going to see on this short slate, 
probably a, a little bit more variance than we're used to, at least from the perspective of um, maybe the, the biggest favorites not being the biggest winners and, and maybe the teams with the highest implied point totals not actually being uh, the, the highest scoring teams. What that means is we can just be a little more contrarian, go with our reads, and it makes it really good week to um, to not lean into the chalk. Yeah, I love that. Uh, yeah, I was looking at like just the implied totals for the weekend. It's like, okay, well, we've got Dallas number one. They mm-hmm. play on Thursday. Yep. All right, we've got yep. the Bucks. That makes sense. And it's like oh, the the Forty Niners and then the Bills again. That's another Thursday one. And the freaking Patriots yeah. are the fifth yep. highest implied team total. And we'll talk about them uh, later on in the show. But it, it's an interesting week, that's for sure. Well, let's waste no more time. Let's just jump right sure. into it. Let's kick it off with quarterbacks here. Give me your uh, more expensive pick. Yeah, we have Joe Burrow at $29. And when we compare, again, the slate, we have Brady all the way up at $41. And he obviously can pay that off. But because he doesn't run, he probably needs like four touchdowns to pay that off in a tournament setting. And then you have Jalen Hurts way up at 34, which he's been one of the safer plays still, especially with them, um, you know, using him to to run even more in recent weeks. But Joe Burrow down at 29 is such a, a big discount on those guys in a week again, where a 25 implied point total is relatively high. Uh, the, the Bengals were a team that uh, a lot of people wanted to target last week and what people thought was going to be a shootout against the Raiders, and it didn't play out that way. So he's going to get a chance to redeem himself in a really good matchup uh, against a Pittsburgh team that's 28th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to the quarterback position. The uh, the Bengals still throwing it at a top 10 rate in neutral situations over the last six weeks. And teams are throwing against the Steelers at a top 10 rate in neutral situations as well this year. Uh, I, I think a lot of maybe casual observers might look at Pittsburgh's raw numbers against quarterbacks and, and not stand, see anything that stands out. But that's why we like to look at the uh, schedule adjusted numbers. I mean, if we look at the period of time between when Pittsburgh last faced Joe Burrow, the next week they faced Aaron Rodgers and gave up 24 Yahoo points. After that, they had a stretch against Teddy Bridgewater, Geno Smith, Baker Mayfield, Justin Fields, Jared Goff. They played nobody. And then Justin Herbert comes back last week and drops 35 piece on him. So like they haven't been tested the few times they have, they've really gotten smoked. Aaron Rodgers and and Herbert had great games against them. You could even argue that before the bears buy that Justin Fields best passing game as a pro came against this Steelers defense. Um, So I really like burrow in this spot. I I think the Bengals are, are really in for, for a bounce back just for some general regression. However, you you want to frame it um burrow has just one touchdown in his last two games after having multiple touchdowns in every game for the first nine or ten weeks of the season uh so i really like the Bengals to to get that passing game back on track this week against the steelers yeah i think that's a great call it's like exactly what you talked about off the top which is like you can lean into not lean into being more contrarian and like push away from chalky plays because i can't imagine that burrow is going to be a very popular guy especially because like in that passing game right now I know like T Higgins continues to have some decent signal and stuff like that around him, but it's just not really happening for anybody beyond Jamar chase there, you know? So I think like he won't be an easy guy to like, cause Jamar chase is still a very high salary player on Yahoo right now. So there'll be a tough guy to stack with. Therefore, I think you could get him at rather low roster numbers. Yeah, and even Jamar, if, if we look at something like 4 for 4's breakout model, he's really underperformed since uh, the game before their bye. He actually leads 
all wide receivers and expected points over his last three games. But uh, obviously with Burrow only throwing one touchdown in that span, he hasn't had those big plays that, that he relied on for the first nine weeks of the season. So I think uh, I think all of the pass catchers that are tied to Burrow, and we'll talk about one of them later on, are very viable this week regardless of salary. Yeah, and like our monster... Um you know, rushing plus passing efficiency guys are basically not on this slate other than Jalen Hurts, who like you could argue is not really in the same tier of guys like Josh Allen, Kyler Murray. Obviously, I think Murray will be back after their bye. Uh, Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, not on this slate either. So um, you're basically looking at stop throwing. Yes, he stopped throwing, which has been better for the offense, (laughs) but not not as great for obviously his (laughs) fantasy ceiling. But I mean, yeah, you're looking at it's like, Dude, we're, we're for these uh, top quarterbacks, like the top 10, we're, we're kind of throwing it back to like, you know, 2015 or something. These are like all high flying passing efficiency guys. I think Burrow, who does have some of that positive regression potentially coming his way, could be like a sneaky play there. The one guy who might be able to kind of spit in the face of this whole non passing, you know, situation going on here is maybe Cam Newton at 30 bucks. Uh, I think Cam going against a defense in Miami that they've been a little more malleable this year, but they're more of a man coverage heavy defense. You know, we typically know that mobile quarterbacks can get rolling. He's Cam is still a great rusher. You know, the passing efficiency from a deep ball perspective wasn't there last week, but high completion percentage from Cam McCaffrey's just a cheat code. I think, uh, you know, DJ Moore has like a 43% share of the team air yards since week eight. I think he's due for, you know, a high E scores last week for the first time since week four, but he's kind of um, got some high yardage games, I think in his range of outcomes as well. I think if you are looking for a dual threat, quarterback the getting the five dollar discount from Hertz to Cam Newton is very tempting yeah and and I don't think even with like his I don't think he's going to end up being efficient on deep balls I don't think they're going to ask him to no. throw deep balls with with his legs with with um CMC there they can be a lot more methodical on offense they can move the ball down the field and and we might see uh DJ Moore, we might see lower average depth of targets from here on out for him because of that. But I think they're passing equity just together, him and Cam. I think they can maintain some upside just because I think we can see a lot of what we saw last week. Then moving the ball down the field. And when Cam does look to somebody in the red zone, it will be DJ Moore. Yeah, I think they have really good chemistry still. You could see that when watching the game, which is important. You know, Cam is not some rando backup off the street. Like, this is a guy who's played with DJ Moore, played with Christian McCaffrey in years prior. So I think that does matter. All right, let's talk bottom-tier quarterbacks here. Tyrod Taylor against the hideous New York Jets defense. That's somebody you're looking to this week. Yeah, just going all the way down to to the quarterback salary in arguably the best matchup, at least from a, a... comprehensive offensive perspective the Jets are last in uh, overall adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing offenses on four for four they're the only team that we rank outside the top 20 against every single skill position that includes 29 yeah it includes 29th (laughs) against quarterbacks and uh, they are tied with Pittsburgh for for the ninth uh, highest passing rate against in neutral game script we saw Tyrod Taylor last week he got uh, two rushing touchdowns and obviously those touchdowns could seem fluky but in his four games this year he's averaging 27 yards per game on the ground so he has that 40 to 50 yard rushing upside where even if he doesn't get in the end zone with his legs 40 yards on the ground is the same as a passing touchdown in terms of fantasy points so that is extremely valuable no matter who you're playing against and obviously he's going to get a little bit of a, a passing projection bump against this defense not to mention 
after not not that like Philip Lindsay was was blowing the doors off of of the season, but they're down to Rex Burkhead and, and David Johnson as their running backs. Like I think it's it's gonna go through through Tyrod, and I, I'm pretty sure it's going through Tyrod against the Jets, right? And David Johnson's like still not a fantasy option, which is incredible. <laughs> yeah, I mean Rex Burkhead, yeah. what are we doing? <laughs> this Texas yeah, backfield. I, I mean, yeah, I just I don't see how it's not all all Tyrod and and Brandon Cooks in this one. Yeah, I agree. The Jets are 32nd in dropback EPA allowed. Like, it's just been a tough look for that defense. And Tyrod's been good basically all year outside of that Dolphins game, which was his first one back off IR. Uh, so we'll see there. Yeah. Look, and doesn't this doesn't this feel like the team that like they're going to rally around their coach and ruin the front office's plans to get the first pick and and completely tank? Like, this is a team that ruins the tank job, right? I love that you seem to be <laughs> implying that this team has a plan. I think that's, okay, that's fair yeah, enough. I think that's fair I enough. think that's an interesting I guess uh, that I guess that's kind of the same point. Yeah, I mean just about. Who knows what the hell is going on there? Uh maybe somebody can get Jack Easterby on the blower and he can let you know what the plan is there. Culture guy. <laughs> culture guy, big culture guy. All right. 49ers, interesting to me. I mentioned their third highest implied team total this week. Jimmy G at 25, I think, is really interesting. The 49ers are uh, third in weighted offensive DVOA right now, which obviously, of course, gives more preference to the most recent performances. This team has been really good on offense. I mean, it helps to have all your boys back out there. You know, you got Ayuk playing a full snap rate for four straight games. Like, that situation's good. George Kittle is back in action, scoring touchdowns. Debo is like... Debo's like a cheat code. He just does everything for them. So this offense looks great right now. And I still have a lot of questions about their defense, though, which leads me to think this game could actually be more like we haven't. Let's put it this way. We haven't seen the 49ers offense have to open it up yet. They've been efficient right. on low volume. I kind of think they'll have to uh, open things up against the Vikings offense. That's getting like peak performances from Justin Jefferson. We know that their offense is really good. Their defense still has a lot of holes there on the other side with Minnesota. There's holes on the San Francisco defense. I kind of think this game could be somewhat of a sneaky shootout for fantasy. And we know based the good part is if that's the case, we know for both of these teams, like exactly where the football goes. Yeah, I, I don't remember if it was on here that we talked about Minnesota um, last week, but they are the type of team that pushes other teams. Their their success correlates very highly with the the other offenses' success, um, and we saw that last week with them against Green Bay. I kind of highlighted Jimmy G last week on on my Twitter feed to very little fanfare, just about him having one of the easier schedules down the stretch. Dude, cake schedule, and, cake schedule, <laughs> cake schedule the down the stretch. And I, I think that's important for DFS because even though 49ers dropped 30 last week against the Jaguars, the points were very spread out. You didn't see anybody explode from a fantasy perspective. So we're not going to see that carry over to high roster rates this week. I think over the next couple of weeks, they could be a team that suddenly becomes very popular in game stacks. We haven't really seen this foursome together with Jimmy G, Ayuk, Debo, and Kittle really since last year because... Ayuk started the season Almost with the doghouse, ever. and Kittle, Almost and, ever, yeah, and the Kittle gets hurt. Yeah, like the last yeah, and, year, and, even last year, even the you know Ayuk wasn't really playing until the end of the year. Like his, he had been hurt. He was he was on the COVID list for a little too. We know that right. those guys, Debo and Kittle, were uh, especially Debo was banged up last year. Like I think Shanahan actually made the point this week that this is like really the first time we've seen all these guys out there together. 
Yeah, I, I I think it was the last year they had an explosion against the Saints, I believe. And I think that might have been one of the few games they were all together. I could be wrong. But the point is, like, as much as I've needled you about Ayuk on this podcast, having all three of these guys on, on the field together, I think, is, is very important. And I think it's going to give Jimmy G, like, uh, like very underrated upside for the rest of the season. And I think they're going to stick with Jimmy G. And I think they could, like, make a playoff push Me with too. this team. I look, I've uh, I, listeners of this podcast, at least from the Yahoo feed, like are probably getting flashbacks to the summer with me talking too much about the <laughs> 49ers here. But this is kind of, I kind of feel like that Kyle Shanahan had like a Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes plan here between these two guys. And, mm-hmm. you know, you could yeah. talk about how that's like you're playing with fire when you're, you know, normally you don't pull that off. But then you start the year with like, Kittle hurt. You start the year with Ayuk in the in the doghouse, and it's like, well, now Jimmy G's out there playing cookie cutter football with Debo Samuel and a bunch of goofballs, yeah. and that exactly. didn't go so well. Then he gets hurt. But this is, I think, kind of the vision of what the team was, and like, we don't need yep. to throw Trey Lance out there, who clearly is like not ready to play in any in any sense. Absolutely. So I still think they could get a playoff run out of Jimmy G here, and then flip him for picks next year. He becomes someone else's problem, or minor solution i'm not want to be too disrespectful here uh and then you see what the trey lance era brings so it will be interesting to track the 49ers but like i said listen i hope i hope you like cleveland jimmy well he's he's going back to uh, (laughs) almost to illinois close enough (laughs) right um all right let's move on to running backs here uh let's talk Najee harris at 31 yeah, uh, we're we're going to talk about a couple of guys that that I have um, high price at multiple positions that just aren't uh, their their salary just isn't anywhere close to reflective of their usage lately. Najee all the way down at thirty one. I mean, you can make the argument that he should be priced up in the CMC range at this point. His his touch shares uh, throughout the season and. and over the last few weeks compared to the rest of the league is just unmatched. He has 90% of the Steelers backfield touches over the last six weeks. No other running back is even at 80% share Uh, 26.2 touches in that span per game in that span. Um, That's a number that leads the league by a pretty wide margin. Cincinnati is 25th in scheduled adjusted fantasy points allowed to the position. Najee's targets are down a little bit over the last few weeks, but uh, we know he's very capable of, of being used in, in that part of the game. Uh, and then one thing that I, I have really harped on in, in half PPR DFS leagues like Yahoo is the potential for passing game correlations with the opposing running back. And this is one of the perfect ones where you could pair Najee with Jamar T Higgins, or even in a, a Joe Burrow stack, that's two ways to get a lot of the points in this game. Yeah. I like that. Uh, I like that call a lot. My one advice for like rostering Najee Harris and DFS, and this is just from like a, your own personal well-being sense. Don't watch the game. (laughs) Like, especially as somebody that like, you know, I do the props for our, um, for our Yahoo Sportsbook live show. Great record, by the way, on my props this year, but the Najee props always fail because it's just like it's just such a slog. It's just such a slog. Like, yeah, I wish there were props for percentage of team backfield touches. I'd take the over for Najee on that every week. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the Steelers are a tough watch in general. They combined yes. for what seventy something points last week, and it, it still felt like it was rough to watch. Yeah, that was like Big Ben's best game of the year, and they were down like twenty points. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> right. One guy I want to talk about this week is AJ Dillon at twenty one bucks. Um, you know, we talked about AJ Dillon last week. We know I love this player, and you know, it was pretty disappointing effort overall. Like I think about twelve Yahoo points. So 
not ideal for for what you wanted, but I think the, that's just great. It means the price didn't go up this week. You can go right back to him. And the usage was outstanding for A.J. Dillon. 73% of the backfield carries, 18% target share for A.J. Dillon that game last week. Like, again, if we're going to get another start out of him with Aaron Jones out, and I think actually if he kind of has like some post-hype sleeper appeal here or like a little bit of a bounce back there, maybe that dri- drives his roster rate down. And, you know, it's it was a sexier matchup, I guess, against the Vikings. Vikings last week, but the Rams, you could run on them. And and I kind of feel like this game could turn into a little bit of boomer ball overall. Like I think that Rams kind of might want (laughs) to think about establishing the run over a little bit on the other side of the field. And I think that when you look at the Packers too, like Aaron Rodgers is, you know, showing his foot to like the media or whatever. He's all got some toe thing going on here. I don't know what what the deal with that is, but uh, you know, they might want to take the air out of the football on that side too. Yeah, this this game actually I think has a very wide range of outcomes, um, yes. which which we'll talk about in a little bit with with some of my players in this game. But it's re- it's really two teams that obviously could push it through the air, um, but they also have very capable running backs, and we've also seen the the Rams um, struggle in recent weeks. So I think that it really can be an AJ Dillon game. And in terms of the the post hype sleeper, I agree that that will probably he he won't be anywhere near as popular as he was last week even though i think he's only one more dollar maybe the same price or something like that but um yeah but he it's not like he didn't get the usage it's not like like he wasn't the main back like he just didn't get get in the end zone and that happens sometimes that's why fantasy football can be difficult especially dfs but the usage was completely there so i think he's a fantastic play at 21 actually four for four's top uh running back value this week Ooh, juicy love to see it all right let's talk javante williams at 20 this was an interesting one uh obviously matchup with the chargers we know that but uh, why else do you like williams this week yeah, this one's a little bit more off the board than we typically go in this segment. We usually try to stick to the the values, but as we mentioned up top, this is a week where I think we can be a little bit more contrarian, even at these predictable positions, especially in large field tournaments like the Yahoo Baller. Before the Broncos buy last week, Javante saw his highest snap share of the season, and that was after Melvin Gordon fumbled on a fourth down, and then they go into the bye week have a whole week to think about that. And the coaching staff gives Melvin Gordon the always great vote of confidence. Oh boy. Um, I, yeah. So we have, we have that, we have the, the Melvin Gordon on the wrong side of, of the age model. And I mean, this typically has been something that has applied more to wide receivers, but second half of the season coming out of the bye, rookie players. Uh, this is oftentimes where we see players like, like this start to pop. And I, I think it can be a very dangerous game specifically in DFS to, to bet on talent, which might sound crazy to people that play a lot of fantasy, but really as our game sample gets smaller, DFS is one game. I think we're looking more for usage. The only time I veer away from that is in these situations where we're trying to hit on these players before they pop, right? We want to get Javante now because once he has an 80% touch share game scores twice, it's over everyone's going to be playing and he's going to be high salary. So we want to jump on that before it happens. And and we have a couple, like read a couple tea leaves. It looks like it's trending that way. 
coming out of the bye gives us a week to like kind of forget about that late game fumble from Melvin. Um, and then just from a matchup perspective, teams running at the highest rate in neutral situations against the Chargers. They're the ultimate run funnel, 28th against running backs when adjusted for strength of schedule, top seven against quarterbacks and wide receivers. And, and just back to that Javante talent, no matter how you chop it up, he's pretty much leading the league and whatever elusive rating yards after contact broken missed tackles however you chop it up he is just blowing the league away in those metrics now as the workload grows those numbers probably regress but the point is he's just a very good player yeah no question about that uh you mentioned it he's up there with the likes of you know derrick henry dalvin cook nick chubb jonathan taylor in breakaway run percentage and runs of 10 plus yards he's up there you know he's been explosive it's just and and look even even if the role doesn't flip like you don't get a a one a Javante Williams it's still the right matchup where he can at least rip a couple of those big plays and at least like not destroy your lineup or something like that but you're right you yeah. this is it's aggressive to do it before it happens but that is how you sometimes have to make like winning decisions is to be aggressive be ahead of the curve and tell yourself that story and I think it is a compelling one that you tell about you know maybe this is where the flip happens after the bye week everything like that yeah, and you don't, it's not even a situation where you're getting him at $20. The Chargers are so bad against the run. Um, the, the Broncos use their backfield so much. You don't need him to have the 80% backfield share. If he gets 65% just in one yeah, game, talking, yeah. you might be getting there. Yeah. Yeah, you're talking there like, yeah, that's that's what you're after. Yeah. By the way, Jonathan Taylor, you mentioned it 3.76 yards after contact per attempt, 3.67 for Javante Williams. So right in that same territory, that will be a fun player to watch going forward. I have not had the most fun in my life watching Miles Sanders, but I do think he's a very uh, interesting play at 17 bucks. Gets uh, 16 carries for over 90 yards in his first game off IR. It looks like we're not going to get Jordan Howard. So that just keeps this potential committee a little slimmer here. Miles Sanders, I think, is a really good play in the in the most run-heavy offense in the NFL over the last month. Don't really care about the Giants matchup. You're not going to get a lot of receiving juice out of Miles Sanders, but I don't think you're going to get that with any of these Philly backs. So, uh, yeah, I do really like him at a discount here, 17 bucks. I, I have some more to say about this game later on in favor of the Eagles. I mean, Miles Sanders, his, his salary makes him very attractive. They kind of, Nick Sirianni said that even with that, what was it, 16, 17 touches last week, they actually benched Miles Sanders a couple times. There was a play where he went out of bounds where they're trying to run the clock and they took him out for Jordan Howard. Yeah. So it was kind of like a coming back, try to teach him a lesson, I guess. Um, and the the tone was kind of if he doesn't do those things, he's getting all of the work and not that they necessarily care about getting Jordan Howard in, but it was more of a slap on the wrist to Miles Sanders. So I think even if Jordan Howard was playing that Sanders would be um, in line for closer to uh, like a 75% backfield toucher. Now with uh, looking like we're not going to have Jordan Howard, I, I think it is. Um, I, I think it's a huge share of the rushing. We're obviously when we say rushing work, uh, Jalen's going to take a lot of it, but from a, a backfield works uh, specifically to the running backs should be mostly Miles Sanders. Yeah, no doubt. All right, let's talk wide receivers. You mentioned that you think this Rams Packers game could go a couple of different directions here. So that obviously is leading you towards Devonte Adams at 31. Yeah, the, the Packers defense ha had been playing good up until last week, but what we saw, which is a reason I was excited about that game last week, is Minnesota is the type of team that can 
push Green Bay, that can make Green Bay play a little faster than they want to. And the Rams are, are very similar in that respect. Obviously, they're down Robert Woods, but they still have Cooper Cup. Um, they still have Matthew Stafford. They have great uh, running game. Maybe Odell can can be some percentage of what Robert Woods. You know, he he can he can offer some kind of threat. They got Higby. They got Van Jefferson. They have an offense that can really push the Packers. The thing about Devontae wasn't even matchup based at first. He's at he went for 115 and two last week, one of his best games, if not the best game of the season. And then after that, Yahoo drops his salary to the lowest of the season. Somehow his price is all the way down. He's been as high as $38 this season. So if we just look at Obviously, we know the usage Devontae's going to get, but then the algorithm says, yeah, we're just going to make him the cheapest he's been all year. So uh, and just on that alone, I think y- you click on him. Um, but then if we look at the matchup a little deeper, the Rams are 23rd and schedule adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. They've actually allowed number ones to have great games against them. Debo, 28 half PPR points. DK, 24. Brandon Cook, 17. Godwin and Evans both uh, go over 15. Michael Pittman, 16. So the primary target has done fantastic against the Rams. Obviously, Devontae can outscore all those guys in the right situation. Yeah, that's because they play, you know, they play Jalen Ramsey on the inside, like to be more involved right. in like the actual in the box and everything. Like yep. he's more involved in, in more plays and just having him sticking out there on the outside cornerback spot. But um, yeah, no, I think that's a great point. <laughs> Interesting, by the way, I'm just looking at his past uh, his past salaries, his highest salary of the week or of the year. Thirty eight came in Jordan Love's lone start. So obviously they didn't know that was going to happen. They didn't, they didn't know that was going to happen. But yeah, <laughs> it's just pretty funny that that's how it worked out. <laughs> that is good. Um, talked about that Bengals Steelers game earlier. I think Deontay Johnson is like inappropriately priced at 23 bucks. Uh, he has 11.3 targets per game over the last four uh, weeks. He's fifth in the NFL in that span. Like no matter what happens in the freaking Steelers passing game, you know, Juju's out. Chase Claypool's in. Chase Claypool's out. Uh, you know, friggin' Mason Rudolph is playing. Deontay Johnson gets elite usage. I, I love that, like, the SNF uh, crew highlighted, like, the, you know, improvements he's made in his game uh, over the last, like, year. And uh, I love that he, like, stamped that with an awesome drive. That was great to see. Love that the drop haters and the yards per target haters continue to take a massive L on this player. Um, and I also happen to like him uh, in, in Week 12 DFS. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I mean, we've talked about this game quite a bit already and, and the potential for um, a lot of scoring on both sides. I mean, $23 for a player that is basically a 30% target share guy is seen the same or even more volume than Devontae Adams for basically two-thirds of the salary. Um, I don't think there's even much to think about with playing Deontay this week. Yeah, no, I think it's a pretty easy conversation. The guys he's around too, you know, I, I like some of these players. You know, he's he's right there in that Michael Pittman range, Elijah Moore, Mike Williams, DJ Moore. I think he stands out in the kind of the where he's at in the salary tier there this week. All right, you mentioned Tyrod earlier. Obviously, Brandon Cooks like at thirteen, despite the fact he hadn't done too much lately, it does seem like quite a smash against this Jets pass defense. Yeah, I mean, he is four for fours 
top value at wide receiver all the way down at 13. The, the only thing there really is to say that from a volume perspective, you have to think that week 11 was the aberration. We have a 10 game sample of him being the primary target for the Texans, no matter who has been at quarterback. And in fact, before last week, he was actually averaging three more targets and three more half PPR per, points per game in his three games with Tyrod. We've already talked about all of the passing metrics in favor of the Texans against the Jets. Just one one more to, to put a stamp on it for Brandon Cooks being able to be a quick strike guy against them. The Jets allow the six highest QBR on passes of 20 or more air yards. So we, we know that Cooks can get over the top of some defenses. Uh, this is a really good spot to do it against a Jets defense that has been really weak in that respect. Oh, yeah, I love it. I mean, 13 bucks uh, is just such, a, such an attractive salary for a guy who most times this year has been, you know, like from a volume perspective, extremely, extremely good. So, yeah, I love that call. Um, we talked about this game as well for my second wide receiver pick already, so we can keep it kind of short. But Brandon Ayuk, I think, is, again, inappropriately priced at $17. He has a 31.8% target share last week, leads the team in receiving, leads the team in catches targets. Like, it was basically, if you look at the box score, all Brandon Ayuk. Obviously, Debo Samuel's doing his thing in the backfield. Again, he is like such a cheat code, despite the one catch. But, you know, Ayuk is back in full – like, where I think however you were viewing him in the preseason, obviously I was on the very optimistic end of that. But, like, most everybody had him between, like, wide receiver 20 and wide receiver 30. I think that's basically how you're looking at him every single week going forward. This is a good matchup. As we mentioned earlier, uh, the Vikings are 27th in EPA allowed per dropback since week 8. It's not a. It's just not a good defense. I don't think, and I think this game could be interesting from fan from a fantasy angle. And uh, Ayuk at seventeen dollars does feel like a good way to save some salary. Yeah, and if you don't mind, I mean that can we can jump right into my tight yeah, end pick because we're, right we're, we're we're staying in that same game with George Kittle at twenty four. So rather than than commenting on how much I like Ayuk, it'll just put a uh, emphasis on how much we like this passing <laughs> we game. Like after this game. You talking, we're, clearly we like we this like game. Clearly, we like this game. We like this passing game. Uh, Kittleson's coming back from injury. Targets at twenty one percent, thirty seven percent, twenty one percent. Our friend Lord Reeves tweeted out this morning. After converting three of 23 end zone targets over his career prior to the past three games, Kittle has cashed in on all three of his end zone targets for scores Let's go. in his past finally. three games. Basically, he's finally scoring touchdowns, guys. His, his career high in one season, I think, is five. I, I think he might uh, double that down the stretch this year. Uh, obviously, that's exaggerating a little bit, but uh, he, he's Maybe. finally... He, he's always shown that upside, and, and this we talked about how much we think this... Niners pass game can go on a little bit of a tear starting with this week to the point that Reeves made about Kittle's usage near and inside the end zone. Teams are throwing at the highest rate inside the 10 against the Vikings. 64% of plays in that scoring area have been passes against the Vikings this year. Yeah, you know, and Kittle is 24 bucks. He's the highest salary tight end this week but you know Travis Kelsey's up there like 30 sometimes and I feel like Kittle has just as good of an outlook right now uh, yeah, as Travis definitely. Kelsey has at different times this year so it makes a ton of sense I'll go old man here with Gronk at 22 looked pretty good in his return got some good volume and you know when we're looking at that implied point total that we mentioned you know there's it's pretty light but the Bucks are number two uh it, and I feel like he's a decent way to get into some of that potential touchdown equity yeah, number one on the main slate um, with that 27.75 point implied point total. Um, we didn't see it last week because the uh, the Bills had arguably their worst game of the season, even though they, they had a debacle against the Jags. But uh, the, the Colts are one of the worst passing defenses um, in the league. And, and we saw 
the angry Brady narrative last uh, week or, you know, this week on Monday night. Uh, and I think that carries over after they had their, um, their stretch of whatever, 21, 29 days without a win or something. Uh, this is a spot for Tampa to keep it rolling after that Monday night game. Yeah, he'll still be feeling angry. Don't worry. The angry meter is still pretty high for Tom Brady. Uh, speaking of Tom Brady, his former team, the New England Patriots, you've got Hunter Henry at 17. I, I got a lot of thoughts about the Patriots offense a little bit later, but we could talk about that. Just tell us why Hunter Henry is a good play. I mean, on, on Yahoo, we're always chasing touchdowns and, and Hunter Henry is the modern day Chris Carter. All he does is catch touchdowns. Uh, the Patriots, <laughs> the Patriots have the third, the, the Patriots have the third highest implied point total on the slate. Um, they are the biggest favorites on the slate. It's really going to be hard to chase the game flow with anybody on this team, just because target shares are a little bit diluted. Their, their pass to run ratio is, is uh, relatively balanced. Their running back uh, situation is, is a little murky. So why not go with the, the position that is often the highest to target a position that does benefit from positive game flow with tight end. And again, with Henry, we're really chasing touchdowns. We saw it a couple weeks ago when they got in that extremely good game script against the Browns. Um, Henry was probably the player that benefited the most. And I think it sets up well, against a Tennessee defense that does struggle against the passing game. Yeah, I think that makes so much sense. Uh, it's, you know, there's not a lot of good tight end plays on the board this week. Like, no, no, he, all of them are off the main slate. All, all of them are off the main slate. And like, normally I can find somebody, you know, sub 15 and like, you know, maybe you go back to what well, Dan Arnold is 16. Maybe you go to Dan Arnold there after he puts up a straight zero spot last week. Um, I don't hate it, but you know, you know, CJ Uzoma is like such a Uzama, excuse me, is such a uh, low volume player there. There's not a lot of like clear cut. Oh man, good value tight ends. So we're just kind of sticking with the, the guys who brought us and Dallas Goddard, I think is one of those guys at 16 bucks, you know, <laughs> We mentioned the Eagles are so run heavy. They're the most run heavy team uh, since week eight. But in that same span, Dallas Goddard and Devontae Smith have combined for 61% of the team's passing (laughs) targets. TJ, Jalen Rager, your your guy, Jalen Rager. Let me give you a a horrific stat on on Jalen Rager. Are you ready? Please. I, I don't, I'm probably not, but I'll listen. He has more games with negative receiving yards this year than oh, games no. over 50 yards this year. I that's that seems impossible. It, but it, I, I I hear you clicking over there as if you're you're fact checking me. I I'm telling you. No, no. I'm, it's true. I uh, I very much believe you. I I I was I was more looking up to I couldn't remember if if Quez Watkins saw one or zero targets last week. I was going to try to emphasize your point because I, I thought maybe he could have have a game with Marshawn Lattimore on on Devonte Smith, and that obviously didn't happen. It, it's all. Devonte, it's all Devonte and Goddard in this offense. Yeah, and I think that's enough. Even though they're very run heavy, to be like you know aggressive, still playing Smith, not as much Smith, but definitely Goddard. Just given the depth at the position for tight end versus the depth of of wide receiver plays, I still think Goddard makes a, a great play. You know, if they have to open things up, I don't know if they're going to have to open things up against the Giants, but still, no. uh, I think you're able to chase the, the volume there for for Dallas Goddard. And we did talk about it at the beginning of of, of the show. Um, no huge favorites, no huge implied point totals. Um, there, there's a, a lot of teams that could surprise and, and be the highest scoring team on the slate. I think against this Giants uh, team, just because of how bad they, they look on both sides, I think Philly can be that surprise team to get the blowout this week. I mean, 
we got Freddie Kitchens calling plays for the Giants. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> Joe Judge won't tell us. You know, see, very secretive, big brain, mastermind Joe Judge, not going to give the secrets out. But it sounds like Freddie Kitchens is the play caller. So uh, I'm sure things will go very well for New York in that endeavor. Uh, TJ, for defenses this week, we've got two just straight up bad clunker defenses as our picks here. But going against some bad offenses. So tell us about the Chargers at the stone minimum. Yeah, again, I, I talked about I, I like Javante as a play, but if you aren't if you aren't on him or aren't on the Broncos, which you you don't have to be for a lot of good reasons, you know the Chargers are favored by two and a half, and in a week where again we don't have a a lot of um, very big spreads, uh, basically you're just getting a favorite at minimum salary with an elite pass rush, and even though the the Broncos don't throw a ton, they are kind they are middle of the pack in neutral passing rate so the Chargers should have some opportunities to get after Teddy and 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 with Bosa there they're just a, they're just a different team even though they gave up a lot of points down the stretch last week they uh, they're still a team that has an elite pass rush yeah I think that makes a lot of sense there you're just looking for sacks and, and turnovers and I think you could get a couple of them there uh Garrett Bowles I think tested positive for COVID at one point this week I don't know if he'll play or not but that's just something to monitor as well the Broncos left tackle there I, I think you could grit your teeth to play the Falcons this week at $13 Falcons defense stinks somehow the Jags I mean they're one point favorite they're one point home favorites but they're they are favorites in this game but still I mean good god dude the Jags don't have any good players I mean Jamal Agnew goes down and it's like, who's their big play threat now on offense, which is that's disgusting. You shouldn't have to ask yourself that question with freaking Jamal Agnew going down. You know, it's just a nightmare there in Jacksonville. I don't think things are, are going to get better for them uh, the rest of this year. You know, again, we're just betting on sacks and turnovers. The Falcons are a bad defense, but I think you could get a couple off Trevor Lawrence in this one. Yeah, and when we we're talking about the Niners, we mentioned that we do think they have some holes on defense, and I very much agree. And this Jags team, would they drop three on them? Was it, did they end up with three? Is that how much they scored against <laughs> San Francisco? So. I don't know. So I think that tells you, I think that tells you what you need to know about the Jags offense right now. I think James, did James Robinson get in a, a garbage time touchdown? Oh, he did maybe? get in late. Yeah. He did get in late. Yeah. Thank yeah, God. So they, I know. I, I played yeah. him. In, I played they him cracked in. that huge double digit mark in the NFL. Hard to do. <laughs> 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 oh God. I feel bad for Trevor Lawrence, man. I really, I really do. It's like, yeah, this is why kind of, I mean, if you really want to have a, a brain buster discussion, it's like, is the, is being the number one pick actually bad? Maybe. I, uh, I maybe that's when a you, whole, that's a whole nother podcast series we could do. Yeah. That, that'll be a great off season pod. Yeah. But for now, TJ, uh, enlighten the people why you want to play T Higgins. Who doesn't, hasn't done anything in a hundred years. <laughs> I mean that <laughs> that that sentiment is exactly why I want to play them. Um I, I I highlighted the 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 reasons that I like Cincinnati's passing game. This is just a, a classic post hype sleeper type play uh higgins was one of the most popular plays in dfs last week he absolutely busts um the usage has been there for multiple weeks and and people get worn out very quick um yeah. especially in the dfs space when they hear the usage is there yeah. he, he's going to break out and you know we usually see it happen after three or four weeks but sometimes it takes longer than that because 
variance is a very real thing and it's it's very hard to score a lot of fantasy points especially when you are playing alongside uh somebody like jamar chase when you have a running back and joe mixon that's very good when tyler boyd is a viable third option you're gonna have some really long stretches of not being productive uh so higgins is all the way down at 16 still uh over the past six weeks around that like 24 percent target share and people are just gonna look at it see how cheap he is even if they have subscriptions with lineup generators they're gonna just ignore the fact that he's yeah. near the top of the value report because of how much he's been burning people. And and these are the types of plays that we're looking for, for um, in, in DFS. And it's not like T Higgins sucks, right? You know, he's like, we exactly. think he's a, a pretty good number two receiver. At least I do. And you know, it's, it's just the Bengals offense has been hard to predict. And they've been, even when they're throwing the sure. ball a lot, they've been slow. They're 31st in pace of play so far this year. So it's, they're just, I think that it all does look good from a signal perspective. And I, I, I'm joking with you here about like, he hasn't done anything for a hundred years, even though he hasn't, but like, I think I talked about him last week. So like, I am the sentiment uh, of the public here. No, I, I think he's, I think he's been like a, a double digit roster rate guy, maybe like four of his last five games. And I mean, just the psychological, like it's, very easily easy to get worn down yeah. when you're like when you're putting real money on a new lineup each week in DFS it's very difficult to say I'm playing this guy for a fourth time like that's just hard for people to do and and I understand it but everybody's kind of feeling the same way and, and we want to be zigging when people are zagging exactly no it makes a ton of sense uh for my flex play uh I am going with Keenan Allen here at 24 bucks target totals of 11 13 11 and 13 over his last four games has scored just once in that span. So he hasn't really had like kind of an eruption game. I feel like it could happen against this Broncos team. That's been very hit or miss as a pass defense and, you know, just rock solid play. I think who's a little lower price than he could have been because he hasn't scored a touchdown since um, October 31st against the Patriots. Yeah. Um, RIP officially RIP Mike Williams. I think I, uh, yeah, I, mean, I officially, uh, knocked him outside of of the top 24 in rest of season rankings and was very tempted to put him outside the top 36 but uh, oh god all right that's a little (laughs) that's a little disrespectful that's a little disrespectful but um i get it dude he's been like super frustrating and i mean yeah he just can't you fell a little hook line and sinker for that for those first four weeks i guess yeah yeah, we wanted it. We wanted it to be real. Wanted it to be real. I have him at wide receiver twenty four in rest of season rankings. If that makes you feel any better, so. I, I I I purposely put him outside twenty four just because I know people <laughs> like that. I know people like that cutoff, so I went yeah. out of my way to make sure he was lower than that. I'm sure when Mike Williams hears this, he's going to be so upset. Uh, he's going to be <laughs> so slighted. Uh, a lot of folks probably slighted by being uh, waiting. F- what a terrible transition. Uh, but anyways, what I'm th- <laughs> what I'm trying to say here is, but I'm sure people are not a fan of what they got out of Saquon Barkley when they waited so long for that but you're fading him here and I think it makes a ton of sense yeah I mean he he is actually fairly priced where I, I do think people will want to play him in in a, a matchup against the Eagles defense that has been pretty bad against running backs but um this team just in general you already mentioned that uh you know I guess it's going to be kitchens I don't even know if that's a upgrade or a downgrade from Jason Garrett but it, it's it's a cha- it's a change in the middle of the season which probably doesn't um signal great things for the offense they're they're Offensive line has the uh, third lowest adjusted line yards on running plays per football outsiders. Uh, the, I've talked about this game a couple of times. Like, just I, I, their offensive line is really bad. Their offense is bad. 
I think it could be a game where Philadelphia can get ahead and really just control the game. We mentioned that they've shifted to a very run-heavy uh, team. They're they're running at the highest rate in neutral game script over the last six weeks. Teams are averaging the sixth longest possession per, per drive against the Giants. So I think Phil, this could be a situation where Philly has the ball for like 40-plus minutes in this game. And if that's the case, not only is, is Saquon just in a bad situation, but there just isn't going to be opportunity for New York to have the ball or have scoring opportunities. Uh, so I, I think this game could can really get out of hand. And even if it doesn't get out of hand, Philly just controlling it the whole way. Yeah, I, I like that. I mean, there's just I couldn't find a good reason to want to play Saquon right now in DFS. Yeah. I mean, if you got him in season long, you got to play him. But, uh, you know, in daily fantasy, I don't think so. Patriots running backs, I put them as a fade, like maybe sort of because – I mean, you just this split is is drastic. You look at Ramadre yeah. Stevens. By the way, they're the exact same salary. They're both nineteen bucks. Last week, Ramadre Stevenson gets twelve carries for sixty nine yards, one target in the passing game. Damian Harris, who like you know, I, I think just got right back on track. He gets ten carries, one target in the passing game. Brandon Bolden is not going to give up his like third down roll but like part of me looks at this and i'm like how are how do the patriots not take the titans to the woodshed in this game like the titans have no players anymore they, they've got ryan Tannehill and the preseason boys out there if aj brown uh has to sit how is bill belichick not going to go out there and like throttle this team right so part of me thinks oh yeah. i mean run heavy game script this is one of the most like in terms of fantasy points allocated to like a percentage it's like going all to the running backs there but still i can't I can't squeeze them in at 19 bucks. There's just too many good, attractive players around them. Yeah, I, I think uh, that's kind of, your reasoning is kind of the reason why I went with Hunter Henry because we're outside of, of Hunter. We're really just throwing darts. Like we don't know who's going to score the touchdowns for um, their backfield. Their wide receivers are is as much of a coin flip as their running backs. Hunter Henry's kind of the only constant. So it's actually, it's it's a really similar situation to what we had with the Browns last week, where the Browns had this really high implied point total, but you just can't really play any of the guys. Like even Jarvis gets a rushing touchdown, isn't in anything of like close to, to winning lineups last week. And and the Patriots are, are kind of the same this week. Like I, I just don't know how you how you stack them. I mean, you can you can flip a coin with the running backs, I suppose, and 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 hope that you get the touchdown variance but i think the only way i'm doing that is if i'm max entering playing 150 lineups in the baller maybe i'll play two or three running back uh patriots running backs lineups but it, it just doesn't make much sense to me yeah you don't get that touchdown you're looking at like maybe 70 yards with no passing equity touched on top exactly. of it, and that's just going to be pretty tough exactly. especially at 19 like if these guys were 15 14 something like right. that i think you could take the risk but you know, exactly. you're, you're, you're in the same range as like Leonard Fournette is 19 bucks. Javante Williams, yeah. 20, AJ Dillon, 21. Um, you know, even going down a little bit, I think you can look at some guys that are maybe, you know, Miles Sanders at 17, Jeff Wilson or Eli Mitchell, depending on which one of them is starting is, is I think a better attractive play at the, in that same range. Absolutely. So yeah, forget about it. Um, all right, TJ, that is going to do it for us. If people found this via the Yahoo fantasy football forecast feed, tell them all about DFS MVP. Uh, DFS MVP every Sunday morning. We do a last look show on our subscriber only discord. That is 11 a.m. Eastern time every Sunday, every Friday on YouTube at 6 p.m. Eastern time. We do a comprehensive overview of the DFS week and every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on our YouTube channel, a cash game review from our lineups from the previous week. 
beautiful. And if you found this via the DFS MVP feed, give a subscribe to Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. It's a nice little podcast over there. Uh, I'm on two shows a week, including uh, not including this one. Uh, I'll be on again Sunday night with the uh, Week 12 recap with Liz Loza, so make sure you check that out. Meanwhile, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. That's at TJ Hernandez. Check us out on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. Happy post-Thanksgiving, whatever the hell you want to call this. See you all next week. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.